Wayne. Wayne's got number 16 back there in the sound booth. He's going to come and do our scripture reading. Microphone number 16. We begin a new study in Romans. We just want to read a few uh, scripture passages here in Romans. It's Romans 16, 17 through 20. Now I urge you, brethren, note those who cause divisions and offenses contrary to the doctrine which you learned, and avoid them. For those who are such do not serve our Lord Jesus Christ, but their own belly and by smooth words and flattering speech deceive the hearts of the simple. For your obedience has become known to all. Therefore, I am glad on your behalf, but I want you to, to be wise in what is good and simple concerning evil. And the God of peace will crush Satan under your feet shortly. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you. Amen. Let's look to the Lord. Father, as we start this new Bible study that Pastor will be leading, we thank you for your servant Paul who wrote down your inspired words and we uh, looked for wisdom in this passage. We ask for wisdom in our pastor as he leads us in this Bible study. We look to ourselves to be able to take what we've learned and apply it to further your kingdom. And so we just uh, thank you and praise you for this opportunity to be into your word this morning. We'll ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. If you're not already there, please turn in your Bibles to Romans, and we'll have you turn to Romans 14 is where I'm going to have you go. Might have felt a little bit unusual for the beginning of a series for us to read from the very last chapter, but I think that it's very helpful for us as we get started for us to see the purpose of the book, and as Wayne read that last portion there, it really does give a wonderful summary of the purpose for why the Apostle Paul gave the book, and we're going to spend a lot of our time talking about that today and hopefully setting us up for a wonderful time as we jump into this incredible writing of the Apostle Paul. I really don't have a lot of hobbies. I sat with my brother over uh, Christmas this past year, and my brother's a hunter, and he's a fisher, fisherman, and uh, he kind of, we were sitting there talking, and he said, well, wh what do you do? He knows I'm a pastor, but he said, well, what do you do for hobbies? And I was kind of stuck a little bit, and um, I had somebody tell me, well, you walk. I do enjoy walking, and sometimes I'll walk two or three miles a day, and um, I do enjoy that. But it was a pitiful response that I gave him from his point of view is what I think. Because I said, well, I kind of like to work with the area pastors up where I live. And he, he's a fisherman and a hunter. And he kind of said, oh, okay. About, like, he wasn't too impressed with my hobby. I do really believe and I try to live the Bible verse that says, he who has friends must show himself to be friendly. I do think that is a way that's going to apply in so many parts of our life. And it applies to me having relationships not only in my local church, but also among the other local churches. This past week, I had the opportunity to get together and meet face-to-face -face a new pastor in the area. He didn't know who I was. He didn't know I was coming to um, his uh, church, but I went there and asked the pastor in, and then I went and got to go to his office and introduce myself. It's always a nice thing, and most pastors do appreciate that. I'll have a time of prayer 
And, but I noticed as I was thinking about it afterwards that the questions are very specific that we ask of each other. Where were you before you came here? Where did you go to college at? All right, what do you really enjoy doing in the ministry? And we're kind of sizing each other up a little bit. I'm not saying that we're judging each other in a sinful way. I'm just saying the questions that we will ask are trying to get us to the point of thinking, are we on the same page? Now, with the area pastors, there is a, a monthly luncheon that we like to get together for. There are some churches that will get together for some services and do even more projects together. And as you talk to an area pastor or someone else at another church, there are some things that we are kind of thinking, well, yeah, you, of course you believe this. I didn't even ask this guy if he believes in the Trinity. Didn't even ask him his thoughts on salvation and eternal life. I was asking other questions to see how well, how close we were possibly in background. And it turned out that we were very close in a lot of ways in our history. When it comes to being friendly to people in our church, there is no doubt that we're trying to find out oftentimes how close am I to this person that I'm supposed to do church together with. Are we on the same page? Even can we get to a place where we are speaking to each other? When we open God's Word today and we start this incredible study of the book of Romans, we're going to see the relevance of the Word of God come through in amazing ways. We hear that word relevance sometimes, and some like to use it a lot. Some don't care for it very much. But I'll let you know that the Word of God is extremely relevant for our day today. The Apostle Paul as he gets ready to write this book, he understands there's a problem. And before he gets to that problem that's going on at the church at Rome, he is going to say, but before I get to the solution, let me tell you a few things. So these, these are all kind of an aside or rabbit trails, if I can use that expression. All these things that weren't the main reason, from what I understand, of why we have the book and yet, because he decided to lay a foundation to say, are we on the same page here? And he tells them with the authority of an apostle, and also, of course, this is the inspired word of God. He gives them some things in the first 11 chapters that I'm not going to say, I don't, I don't want to say rabbit trails because they're not important. I want to say they weren't the main intention. But as Paul sits down to write them out, it is incredible. The lessons that come as he sets these people up to deal with their problem. I want to give you a few of those today, a few of those um, rabbit trails, if I can use that term. And I want to see if any of you are interested in some of these. I'm going to read through a list. I'm going to put just a few of them on the screen. And as I go through these, there might be a few of you, a few of you that would say, you know what, I'd like to talk about that. Hold on, hold on, hold on. That's pretty interesting. I've had a conversation before about that. Let me read some of these that are called questions by one teacher, questions answered in Romans. I'm going to give you an exhaustive list. Is Jesus really God? How can a good God send people to hell? What will happen to people who have never heard the gospel? What is man's biggest sin? Why is there a perversion of God's plan for sex? What is God's standard to condemn people? Can a person who has never heard the gospel be held responsible? 
Is it any advantage to be a Jew? Can anyone truly keep the law that God has given us? How is, it, how is a Christian related to Abraham? What is the importance of Christ's resurrection? What is the importance of his present life? For whom did Christ die? Where can I find peace and hope? What is the Christian's relationship to sin? How important is obedience once we're saved? How do law and grace relate to each other? Why is it such a struggle to live the Christian life? What is the relationship we have with the Holy Spirit? Why is there suffering? How can I pray? What does predestination mean? How secure am I as a Christian? What is God's present plan for Israel? What is his future plan for Israel? Why have the Gentiles been chosen to be, um, to, to, for salvation like the Jews were? How is a person saved? What is the Christian's relationship to the world? What's the Christian's relationship to other Christians? And how do we deal with gray areas in life? Anybody want to take a little break and cover one of those topics right there? Did anything jump out to you that maybe you've had someone come and say, hey, have you ever thought about this? These are difficult questions. And we're going to see that the Apostle Paul beautifully covers these in the writings of Romans. All that to bring us to our text. If you're not already there, turn to Romans chapter 14. Now, we'll begin next Sunday, Lord willing, with uh, verse number 1 of chapter 1. I had Wayne read from the very end, which talked about mark those who cause division in the church. And now I'm going to take us for the beginning of this overview to Romans 14, and I'm going to read the first four verses of chapter 14. As for the one who is weak in faith, welcome him, but not to quarrel over opinions. One person believes that he may eat anything, while the weak person eats only vegetables. Let not the one who eats despise the one who abstains. And let not the one who abstains pass judgment on the one who eats. For God has welcomed him. Who are you to pass judgment on the servants of another? It is before his own master that he stands or falls. And he will be upheld. For the Lord is able to make him stand. And so there is a defining issue for why we were given the book of Romans. The Apostle Paul writes this book under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. And that defining issue is, is there is a problem in the church at Rome. Now, I wanted to read some of your faces when I said that. I wanted to see if there were any looks of shock when I said there's a problem in the church. Some people might think, there's a problem in the church. Well, that can't be right. That's where all the good people go. All those holy rollers and all those wonderful people, a problem in the church? Hopefully none of you were shocked when I say there was a problem in the church and that's why we have this book. And the reason for that is because there's problems in this church. There's problems in every church because every church has people in it. And I'm not trying to offend you in any way. I'm just letting you know that every church has problems. And so Paul sits down to write this out. 
By the way, it's kind of a cliche by now, but the old expression, if you ever do find a church with no problems, if you ever find a perfect church, do not join that church. And do you know why? Because then it won't be a perfect church anymore, right? Church family. Once you get in there, then it's got somebody that's going to mess it up. Every church has problems. And I'm suggesting here that Paul sits down and writes out this letter to give them the solution to their problem. And beautifully, before he gets to the solution, he says, let me go ahead and clarify some things first. Let me talk to both sides. There's two sides, two groups in the church not getting along with each other. Let me go ahead and straighten something out first, is what the Apostle Paul says. I get, I get with my kids and even with my wife sometimes, I will get the eye roll every once in a while because I want to tell them something. It usually can be said in one sentence. So I've got one thing that I want to say to them, but I say, hang on a second. I've got a story that goes along with this and I think it's gold. And they're just like, would you please just cut to the chase? Just tell us what you want us to do and we'll do it. But I think, oh, no, I've learned this lesson the hard way. Let me tell you a long story about this. There should not be any eye rolling going on before we get to the solution of the problem because what we're given is amazing. The Everest, some people have said, of the writing of the Apostle Paul. So what we're going to do today is I'm going to tell you about that problem. I'm going to give you some divisions in the book, and then I'm going to talk briefly about some main themes, all right? Now, I want to give a challenge right now to you. I want to give a challenge to you over the next few weeks, or even this week, you can do it in one day, sit down and read through the entire book of Romans. And when you do, I want you to think about all the things that you are reading, all the deep truths and doctrines, the beautiful teaching, and how they relate to the main problem that they have. And also how they would relate to problems that you might have in your church. All right, if you're taking notes, let me go ahead and give you a simple division for this book. A simple division for this book is, in Paul's writing, is the first half is about doctrine, second half is about duty. There's the alliteration. I'm going to give you some alliteration today. The first half is about doctrine, first part, and the second part is about duty. Or we might say Romans chapters 1 through 11 are about what we believe and Romans 12 through 16 are about how we should live. Now, if you have something to write with and you've got your, your own Bible here, go ahead and open to chapter 12, and I want you to underline a word in the first verse of chapter 12. I have it circled in my Bible. That is the, that is the turning point of the book. If you look at chapter 12, you're going to find the word in most versions. You're going to find the word, therefore, Right there. Do you see it in your Bible? Go ahead and underline that. That is the main division of the book. So in chapters 1 through 11, he gives us all these rich foundational truths. And then in 12, verse 1, we read the word therefore. And as we say around here sometimes, whenever you see the word therefore, you need to go back and see what the word therefore is therefore. So you need to understand when you get to the solution of the problem, he's given us some incredible stuff. All right, so that's a one easy division of the book. We're going to break it down into a little more detail today, and these are alliterated as well, and I'm going to go into some details on all of these. We're going to talk about what Romans teaches us about sin, 
Okay, so can you remember? There's a, there's a problem in the church. He's going to give them a solution to their problem. Before I give you the solution to the problem, let me talk about sin, God's wrath that's going to come because of sin. And then he's going to talk about salvation, the most beautiful teachings. Maybe some of you grew up in a, a children's program where you memorized a lot of verses from Romans because the most beautiful teaching we have on salvation is found right here. He's going to talk about sanctification. He's going to talk about God's sovereignty. And then finally, he's going to talk about service. Would you go ahead and turn to Romans chapter 1? Romans chapter 1, and I want to read verses 11 and 12. And this is one more point before I get to those divisions. Romans chapter 1, verses 11 and 12. Paul writes, For I long to see you that I may impart to you some spiritual gift to strengthen you. That is, we, that, is that we may be mutually encouraged by each other's faith, both yours and mine. So let's stop right there. Here in chapter 1, and then also I believe it's in chapter 15, the Apostle Paul writes and he says, It is my heart's burning desire to come and see you face to face. I want to be with you. I'm anticipating. And the truth is, is that God had stopped him from going there. Now, I don't want you to go there right now, but as you, if some of you take on that assignment of reading through the entire book and you get to chapter 16 and you find the greetings, greet so-and-so and so-and-so and so-and-so, I don't want you to skip over that very quickly. Sometimes we, we glance over the greetings. Because I think it's interesting that even though the Apostle Paul, who did not start this church in Rome, and it appears he had not been to that church in Rome physically, but he knew over two dozen people that were in this church. That's in chapter 16. More than two dozen people that he knew personally. And so it's evident that he wanted to visit them. He wanted to see them face to face, but we are told multiple times that the Holy Spirit stops him from going there. God had something else for Paul to do. He was prevented multiple times. And so I can't help but wonder if there didn't come the day he made plans again to go, got stopped. Made plans, had a burning desire to go, God stopped that. Multiple times we learn in the Bible. And I can't help but wonder if there was just a day where he said, you know what, I'm just going to sit down, I'm going to write out exactly what I would tell these wonderful brothers and sisters in Rome if I could see him face to face. So he sits down and he begins to write out this incredible, incredible message for them. Now, if you were able yourself to go and visit Rome and you were attending for a little while, you would know there was tension. You would be there for not very long and you would understand there was some tension between this group here and this group over here. And if you attended that place for a while, you would learn what that tension was about. I don't want you to smirk at this. In fact, I'm thrilled to be able to work um, a certain word into my sermon you would know there was a tension between the carnivores and between the herbivores there in the church. That's what's going on. There is a tension that had to do with uh, Jews and Gentiles. And as we look at that problem, we think to ourselves, well, that's ridiculous. Who would fight over that? 
Now, can I give us a little bit of history? Because in the day we live in, if you have a major rift in the church, what oftentimes happens, unfortunately? There's the split. And so I don't think splits happen like this back in this day. Those problems just kept going and stirring, and they didn't go down the road. Maybe if they were to fast forward their problem to today, we would have carnivore community church over here, herbivore Bible church over here, and everybody on the outside is looking, and they hear about Jesus and this message of salvation that everybody needs, and then they'll go and talk to so-and-so at carnivore community church, and they'll say, yeah, I've heard that message from a guy over here. And what will the look on their face be like? We live in a day where churches divide. We live in a day where people give up on church because of something that is, are you ready for this? It's not a major in the Bible. We might even say it's not biblical. That's what's going on with them. And we say that is ridiculous. It's helpful to know the specific problem as we begin because as Paul writes Romans, if I were to ask you before we got started, why do we have Romans? You might have guessed, well, they've got a problem on their understanding of sanctification. So we've got a lot about that in the first part of Romans. Or maybe they're off on the sovereignty of God. None of that was the purpose for what it was, why it was written. But Paul says, before I get to solving your problem, let me go ahead and lay out some things that we need to make sure we're all on the same page about. I need to clarify a few things. In short... What the Apostle Paul does, and we're going to spend months going through this book, what the Apostle Paul does is he reminds them that all of them, whether carnivore or herbivore, all of them were dug from the same nasty, dirty pit. Every one of them. Because, you see, we have a tendency to think better of ourselves. And when we see someone else who is different in some way, maybe it's not a big deal. But sometimes we let ourselves get to a place where we just think, well, I I honestly am better than them. And that judging that takes place is one 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 of the most common tools of the devil. In short, he tells them, you've all been dug from the same horrible pit. So what makes you think that you can judge one another Every once in a while, I'll see a a movie or a television program, and there's some kind of a hostage situation involved. There's a hostage situation. There are lives in danger. And so sometimes they will bring in someone special when there's a hostage situation. They will bring in a negotiator, right? Someone who comes in, and they don't bring in a negotiator for for a small deal, for a little shoplifting situation where they catch somebody. They only bring in the negotiator... When there is a grave danger, when lives are in danger. The Apostle Paul writes this book, and I am going to ask you to think about this. Is there a grave danger that is going on when it comes to this potential for the division in the church? And the answer is yes. There is an incredible danger because God's plan for today is his church. And if there is a schism in that church, and I believe it comes down to leaders, if there are leaders in that church, I'm not talking about the one leader or the seven leaders, I'm talking about people that have influence in the church, 
if they are influencing others to divide and be apart from others in there, Paul is going to address that. This is a grave danger. And so he steps in, steps in as a negotiator. The words are inspired. He solves their problem. And you and I get to wonderfully learn all this beautiful teaching. Let me give you those, um, those themes. This is a, another way to break the book down. I'm going to cover those themes as an overview. They all start with S. The first one was sin. Sin. Sin is defined as the breaking of God's law or else rebellion against God. And so that's where he starts. When you look in Romans chapter 1, he begins with this theme of sin. When Adam sinned, his inner person was transformed into being a rebellious person. He had a sinful nature, and that sinful nature will be passed down to all men and women who will come after him. So along with sin, the Apostle Paul is going to teach them about the wrath of God. God's wrath will be poured out on sin. Whether it be men who have not asked for forgiveness, have not gotten saved, and that wrath will be poured out when they spend an eternity in hell, or those who have accepted Jesus Christ as their Savior, and where was that wrath poured out on? It was poured out on the cross. I'm a follower of Jesus Christ. There was a day where I realized I was a sinner. I needed to ask for forgiveness. And so the wrath of God, which will be poured out on all sin, will not be poured out on Jeremy Lazell because I've asked Jesus for forgiveness. It was poured out on Jesus Christ on the cross, and that's why he wants us to observe communion and remember his shed blood and his broken body. Sin is the first one. And then he goes right into salvation. Romans is rich in dealing with the details of our deliverance from the consequences of sin. Not just hell, but delivered from the power of sin in this world. I saw some heads shake up and down a little bit ago when I mentioned many of you memorized verses from Romans when you were in a, a children's club when you were younger. Many people, when they think of Romans, automatically think of the Romans road. You've memorized verses like uh, Romans 3.23 and Romans 6.23, Romans 3.10 and 5.8. These are verses that highlight the basics that we need to know for salvation. And if you are one who's been struggling with doubts, if you're saved or not, then jump into this study. Dedicate yourself to the study of Romans and you will feel confident, or maybe you will turn to Christ and ask him for forgiveness. The next theme is sanctification, sanctification that we're going to talk about. Typically, there are three types of sanctification as we study through God's word. There is our uh, positional sanctification. When we get saved, we are saved and nothing can take us out of God's hand. There is our ultimate sanctification, and that's when you no longer sin. We're in heaven. That's a great time. But what we'll look at mostly is our progressive sanctification, that progress where you are becoming more like Christ. The next uh, theme is the sovereignty of God, the sovereignty of God. This is one of the most important teachings that we're going to come across, and this is one of the most hotly debated topics that we will look at. Individuals who know the Bible very, very well will differ on some things about the sovereignty of God. 
And as we look at the character of God, we will see that there is nothing in this universe that ever takes place without God's permission. Some of you are going to raise your hand and say, let's talk about that for a little while. We're going to talk about it, all right? You're going to have to be patient. And then after the sovereignty of God, we're going to talk about service. He gets to them in chapter 12, or six, chapter 12 through chapter 16. And the people at that church were not loving like God had commanded them to love one another. The banner over the church needs to be love, not judge. And so many people have been turned off to what God has to offer because of one that would look down their nose or because of some Christians who look down on their nose on ones on the other side because they disagree on something that honestly is not a biblical issue or not a major issue. You see, judging was their way of life. That's what they did. It's what they knew. Paul knew of this problem, and he sits down to help them with this problem. And so as we open up this book for the first time, and as we start this journey through the book of Romans, I've already given you one challenge to read through this. Or if you want to, if you've got one of the devices, you can touch the button to listen to it, then do that. I've been through it several times. And as you are going through the book of Romans, think of all of these main points, these main deep teachings, but keep in mind there's a problem in the church. And how does this teaching on the sovereignty of God relate to a division between Jews and Gentiles over eating meat or not eating meat? Because it does. Paul beautifully says, we need to straighten some things out first. So I want you to read through this book. What else can you do? What else can you do? Well, I want you to cultivate an understanding of the fundamentals of the Christian faith. What are the majors? I had a friend of mine that I worked with years ago. He was a co-manager with me. And he got saved. He was all over me. He was so hungry to know about eternal life and about how to do this. His, here was his lead question. He knew I was an assistant pastor at a church. And his lead question was this. He said, how do I get, he had a baby on the way. How do I get our baby baptized in the Baptist church instead of in the Catholic church? How do I do that, Jeremy? I know you got the answer. And we're working there. And I didn't want to offend him, Right? And so I said, well, and he pushed me, I mean, day after day. So I said, you know what, Nick, let's get together and let's talk about that. And we opened God's word. Nick's girlfriend, who was a Christian, said, when are you going to take care of that? And Nick got saved beautifully. And we started to have a Bible study. And Nick, is, he was very, very smart. He advanced very quickly and moved on to... Amazon and, and just advanced in the ranks very quickly, super smart. So he asked me after one of our first Bible studies, can you just give me the, what's the big ones? What's, what's, what's the most important things that he gave me that, that, that we had to look at? And he had a MacArthur Study Bible at that time, and right in the back of a MacArthur Study Bible, it goes through the main doctrines of the Bible, the main teachings. Those are the things that we need to have an understanding of. And sometimes we will apologize for talking a lot about doctrine, or sometimes we will try to dress it up a little bit. But here is the truth. All of the practical applications of God's Word for your life have a foundation in those deep teachings of doctrine. 
That's why you have to know those. You might go through them and think, well, I, I don't see the application for this right away. I'm not quite getting it. And as you live your life, you're going to go through a time and have to make a tough decision. And if you have that foundation that's there firm, that's exactly what the Apostle Paul was doing for the church at Rome. Let's get some things straight, and then we will deal with what your problem is. So I want you to have a good understanding. I put a stack of books up here. I think I have more books on, the, more books on uh, Romans than any other book of the Bible. I might have more on Genesis, but Romans is what I have the most on. So out of all of these that I'll be using for my study, I'll recommend this to you. This is a small book called We Believe. I saw this in somebody's hand earlier this morning. These are out there, and these are for you to believe. They are not super practical necessarily, but what you will find is if you get a good understanding of these main beliefs, main teachings of the Bible, then when you are having a conversation with your friend or when you're having a fight with your family or when you're having a fight in this church, whoa, no way. Surely not this church. I can tell you, there's going to be disagreements. How big of a deal are we going to make that? So a challenge to you is to have a good understanding of these foundational fundamentals of the Christian faith. Or if you want it in an easy way to remember, know God's word so you can walk God's way. Know God's word so you can walk his way. So take on a study. Read a book about these foundational teachings. Surround yourself with good, sound teaching, whether it be through a book, whether it be through a teacher. Talked to one of our brothers this morning, and we were talking about um, one of our radio preachers that's on WMPC throughout the week, and I said who my favorite was, and he said, oh, I love that guy. Surround yourself with good teaching. We have teaching going on in several aspects throughout the week here at Calvary. Be a part of this. And let me go ahead and close with this. The Apostle Paul goes to these people and he says, you need to have an understanding of all of these things and I've already given you kind of the summary of the solution. Every one of you, he says to them, were dug from the same common horrible pit. And so when a problem comes up in your church, whether it be this one or somewhere else down the road, you need to start with the humility of Jesus Christ. No one is more like Christ when Christ humbled himself and took on the form of man, and then when he humbled himself and allowed the creation to crucify the creator. This is the most beautiful picture of humility. And if you are going to have a solution to your problem, that's where you're going to need to start. Those carnivores, those people over there, don't talk to those carnivores. Those herbivores over there, don't talk to them over there. No. Who are any of you to judge another? And that's where you have to start. So he starts with, you were a sinner, just like they were a sinner. You had to get saved just like they got saved. You're growing in Christ just like they are. Or maybe they're newer to growing in Christ. Maybe you're 10 years ahead of them. Have you considered that in your sanctification, in their sanctification? The sovereignty of God. And then love. This 
is where you must start. And if you will not humble yourself in order to deal with these things in the best way, then our loving God will in his own way humble you. He will find a way to humble you so that you can be part of this beautiful thing that we are blessed by called the local church. Praise God. Praise God for what he has given us. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you so much that as I stand unworthy, unworthy to teach, unworthy to judge, unworthy of salvation, as I stand unworthy of all of that, you did not give it to me because I was worthy. You gave it to me because you loved me and your son was worthy to take the sins of the world on his shoulders so that I could once again have fellowship with you. And I thank you for my brothers and sisters that are here today. I thank you for showing them their need. I thank you for allowing them to grow. And I thank you for the constant challenge that it is that we will love one another like you loved us. With heads bowed and eyes closed, I'm going to ask the piano to play through. We're going to sing in just a moment, but I'd like to give you a chance to pray. If you are here today and you have doubts about salvation, you're not sure if you've, accepted, if, you, if you've ever accepted Christ as your Savior, even during this moment, you can pray and ask God to forgive you of your sins, make you his daughter, make you his son. Maybe you're here today and you are one that has led in division among God's children. Would you be open to examining yourself so that God's church can thrive and can cast out all division. Take a moment to pray.